What's going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Show, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We've been away for a couple of weeks due to vacation commitments, but we're back now with a roundup of everything we've missed during this international break. And with me, as always, is a man who is the German national team to my underwhelming performances pre-Euro 2024. It's Lewis. Why do you always have to rub this in? Because you lost to Turkey recently. Yeah, no, but like at this point, I've I've accepted the fate. We're gonna get kicked out in the group stages again. It's I don't know why everyone's so surprised. Like we just are not good anymore. We don't have a world class defense. Without that, you're not gonna go anywhere in a big tournament. That's just how it is. Well, we will talk about one of those defenders very shortly, but what are the topics for us today, man? Yes, of course. Our nice little host of topics has now grown to a large host of topics, which is why you guys are getting a Bundesliga-only episode and a Premier League-only episode. Because, you know, international breaks are just that underwhelming, as Billy has pointed out. And we will be starting off with Der Klassiker, the most one-sided rivalry in football, question mark, maybe period. Then we will also keep on with Dortmund and have a look at their continuing woes. They haven't won since the 20th of October. Then we will have a look at Union Berlin and how a once loving relationship has now deteriorated with their manager. They didn't sack Urs Fischer. He left by mutual consent. But we all know how that is in a relationship. One person is always the initiator. And then we will finish off with Leverkusen and their still unbeaten run. And it was a very specific team that has also held this record. And that would be Pep's 2015-16 Bayern squad. And there was one guy who was part of both teams. But all that and more right after this. Well, you said it in the intro. Der Klassiker one of the most one-sided rivalries in football at the moment are probably up there with the Merseyside derby i'd say i was about to say there it's 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 a close tie because everton are more or less irrelevant at this point and you know the only thing that makes dortmund better than everton is that dortmund still can consistently get into the champions league so well if they carry on like this they're at a bit of a risk but open Meccano put Bayern one up and then that man again with another hat trick. It's his third one, just you know, in case anyone wasn't keeping up. He's already bested the amount of goals scored, which Fukuk and uh Christopher and Kunku last season scored, and they won the Bundesliga top score. Just to put that into perspective. 17 goals in eleven games is an absolute freak show almost. And I mean, if he keeps on target like this and he doesn't get injured, he could be going for 51 goals in 35 games. And, you know, just to remind everyone, the all-time Bundesliga scoring record for goals in a single season was set by Lewandowski, who got 41. And everyone was already like, that was a freak show of a season from him. So, you know, Kane, we've said it time and time again worth every single penny so Bayern have had their not bad spells but hiccups this season 
against, you know, the draws against Leverkusen, who are a very good tie, the draw against Leipzig, the loss against Leipzig in the Super Cup. I think people expected this season to go differently for Bayern. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's less about you and more about how bad Borussia Dortmund were because it, it was a mess. Yeah, from back to front. I mean, if you look at the tactics that Tezic had obviously given them beforehand, it was sit back and wait for the counter, which is, you know, all well and good if you're Bochum and you really don't have the players to be going up against a Harry Kane, a Leroy Sané, um, a Yuzo Kimmich in midfield. You know, everyone knows how good of a team Bayern are. But if you're Borussia Dortmund, you would think that, you know, if you've got, a, if you're fielding a team with, you know, the likes of Brandt and Phil Krug and, you know, Mats Hummels, Nico Schlotterbeck, he was, you know, obviously during the World Cup, he didn't have a great World Cup, but still he was, there's a reason why Dortmund signed him. Um, he had an amazing time at Freiburg and he was supposed to be this next up and coming thing. Gregor Kobe is supposed to be one of the best goalkeepers, if not the best goalkeeper in the Bundesliga at the minute. Um, and then to go for tactics that are, you know, tactics adopted by the newly promoted teams or the teams fighting relegation against Bayern doesn't really make sense to me, especially when the players on the pitch aren't being set up to go and break on the counter and only sit back and defend. You know, you've got players who, who are, you know, for lack of a better word, knocking on the door to world class if they keep up the performances that they're that they're putting in at the minute so i don't know it for me it was just underwhelming from from dortmund's point of view i mean you're down two nil after eight minutes i think that says it all and you know you've got like look at your front four man like mal and brand and then in front of them Fuchuk. that's not a that's not a team that you're fielding to just break on the counter that's a team that's supposed to be creating stuff I've got no issue with playing a team like Bayern on the counter because they are going to have more of the ball. Got no issue with that. But you think after being 2-0 down in eight minutes, does it not expose the, I don't know, the limitations of Edin Terzic as a coach, the, the relatively low ceiling, if we can call it that, that he has as a coach? You know, he's, he's been fine as, a, as an interim, but it's a different thing when you're the the permanent you know you're not you're no longer one of the guys who's come in just to sort of ease things off while they look for a new boss you are the big boss well it's funny you say that because remember what we were saying when Tezic won the DFB Pokal with Dortmund as a manager and then subsequently Dortmund had already signed Marco Rose and we were gushing over Eden Tezic and what a manager he could be so what do you think do, do you think it's just now he's been found out and that this has prompted us to be like oh, okay maybe Tezic wasn't the player or sorry wasn't the manager that you know we thought he was or do you think that you know most experts should have known this all along it's probably a little bit of both last season definitely was the the, the chance that was the chance to win the title away from Bayern, you know, last day. If they don't miss that penalty against Mainz, it could have been completely different. You know, they they you usually say that, you say that, but they've said, but they, you know, we definitely said 
it was more down to the fact Bayern were that bad rather than Dortmund being that good. So wouldn't it be, you know, uh, of course, there's nothing wrong with saying that was the chance because it was, but it would still play into the narrative that Tezic maybe doesn't have a ceiling that most people say or thought that he might have. Yeah, no, it's it's difficult, particularly against Bayern, which I don't think it wasn't a game they were expected to win, by no means. So let's let's not sit here and say that they should have won when I don't think anyone expected them to. But it's the manner, like you said, of which it happened. Yeah, it was a mess. It was they offered very little, you know, and to give Harry Kane the chances to score another hat trick. Incidentally, the man's already mastered the German three. Oh, I love that Inglorious Bastards reference, by the way. I like Michael Fassbender. You know, the thumb, the uh, index finger, and the middle finger. Yeah, but it just makes sense. You know, you count the thumb as a one, the index finger is a two, three, four, five. Why would you count one, two, three, four, and then go back to the thumb for five? It makes no sense. I'm not going to say anything, but that is how I count on my fingers. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. The thumb oh, you is... Then you would have died... An inglorious passage. Just saying, I'd have died long before that bit. <laughs> Christ, <laughs> Christ, I'd have gone long before that. But it wasn't just the classica that that they lost in the uh, in the weeks that we've been away. They played Stuttgart, who in recent weeks haven't been great without Sarah Girassi. He's now back, and Stuttgart win two one against That's Dortmund. Cool back with a goal 15 this season so he's uh he's keeping harry kane honest he's not giving it giving it up just yet you know imagine they could have been level pegging had he not missed those few games with injury probably probably would have even been above harry kane if he had gone you know at the rate that he had been before injury in all honesty but dortmund this weekend i'd say they've got a favorable game a game to get back to winning ways. They've got Borussia Mönchengladbach who have been up and down like they have been for the last few seasons. I was about to say hit and miss team if ever I saw one. But knowing the luck that Dortmund are having at the moment, this would be one of Gladbach's on it weeks. Oh, 100%. I mean, it, it would just be too funny. And, you know, it's also the fact that it is another game where, you know, it's obviously not like Gladbach and Leverkusen or Gladbach and... Um, and Köln in terms of, you know, almost Derby quality. Um, but it is still a game, you know, Gladbach and Dortmund, they have that history with, you know, the Marco Rosa affair and whatnot. There have been some close and heated games between the two. You could almost argue that this is, it's almost set up for Gladbach to have one of their own at least. But that's the game they've got this week. But I wanted to just touch on something that Dortmund have usually been quite good at and that's replacing the big talent that leave which they haven't done with Erling Haaland it's difficult to replace Erling Haaland with with anyone but Nicholas Fulkrug, Sebastian Allaire haven't really worked out Jaden Sancho fantastic at Dortmund Daniel Marlin hasn't really replaced that he's he's, he's kicked on don't get me wrong but Bellingham you know, they haven't gone out and replaced him in central midfield well enough, if at all. 
Well, yeah, I think there's also, it's not just the names that you're knocking out, but I'm going to go down the avenue of market value. And I know it's a, it's a, who are, who are you to judge people on just their market value? Because everyone knows that there are some players who you're thinking that's an astronomical market value for the fact that they don't produce all that much. And I get that. But when you look at, you know, since 2017, 18, around there, Dortmund have always had that player who's worth a relatively high amount. And I'm saying probably more or less 65 plus million euros. So that was a Bamiyang. Then you also had Dembele going along with that. Then at some point, Sancho came along into the mix to replace Dembele. Haaland has been, was brought in um, and then Bellingham to, to top it all off. And, you know, Bellingham at one point had over a hundred million uh, market value last season, which is why, you know, Real Madrid went in with the big bucks for him. Haaland, was definitely sold under value because of his release clause. Um, but that that's not the point. The point is now that if you look at their highest valued players, those are Julian Brandt and Nico Schlotterbeck, both at 40 million. And it goes to show that Dortmund just don't have that big man in the team this season. They don't have that difference maker, that world-class player. And it shows. You know, you have... You, you always had a difference maker in Bellingham, obviously, because, you know, we, we've seen what he's doing at Real Madrid right now. And you always had that difference maker with Haaland and, you know, Sancho Dembele, Aubameyang. They were always the difference makers. And then they had some great players around them. But now Dortmund just have those great players that should be surrounding a world-class player. And there's no one in the middle. There's no one up top. There's no one to lead the team by example of his performances in that sense. And, you know, the market value doesn't mean much, but it's still a little bit of an indicator. And, you know, 40 million in this current climate, that's, you know, almost peanuts. If you look at the Premier League, for instance. Given the current state, how long do you think it is until they challenge again? as seriously as they did last year or what needs to happen management wise or, or player wise for them to get back to that point, because you look at the squad and it's not a title winning squad, you know, no, it, it really isn't. And I mean, like I said, you need that, that extra little bit. You need that world-class player to challenge for any title. There are obviously exceptions, you know, take Leicester city, for example, 2016 take Kaiserslautern who were newly promoted to the Bundesliga and then ended up winning the thing in 1998 but obviously you know these are times that are very much past I don't think in this day and age that you can take without signing um a world-class player and you know to get back to your question Dortmund they were close last year but like we said close last year because Bayern let them come close. If not, they would have been just as far away as, you know, the previous seasons. And even the previous seasons, they had players who arguably could have won it for them. You know, like Haaland, like Bellingham. So for Dortmund now to to really get there, I think, you know, the squad's, like you said, a total disaster. Um and that has to be laid at least 
50% of the blame at the feet of Sebastian Kier as sporting director. He's the guy who's responsible for building that squad. And it's just not up to scratch. And I think, you know, we, and we've said it time and time again, it's just the fact that Dortmund are a slave to their shareholders. Without getting rid of that aspect, or at least trying to, you know, fight that aspect, they'll keep on having this, this setup where they, where they take those raw talents and, you know, mold them uh, into diamonds, and then they don't keep the diamonds. They sell them off for the, for the highest bidder. And, you know, the five players that we've mentioned, they've all been that same case. Obama Young came from uh, Saint-Etienne. Um, Sancho was relatively, he was more or less a youth uh, youth squad player. So when he signed, Haaland, the same thing, although he had kind of already broken onto the scene at Salzburg. Bellingham, they signed from Birmingham at 17. Dembele was, what, 18, 19 when they signed him from France. They all sold them for, you know, anywhere between 65, 70 to 100 plus million, which is great for a club if, you know, profit is the only thing you're thinking about. But they always gave away their best player. And it's just this mentality of being a slave to uh, the money that at some point they need to start looking at the fact that, yeah, okay, we don't have as much money as Bayern maybe, but we still have to start, you know, looking at, how do we keep these players in? And if they don't start doing that at some point, it's never going to happen for them again. Well, look at Bayern. You said about you know buying rough players and turning them into diamonds. Bayern, I think Bayern have probably got the the balance just right. You know, they can go out and they can buy Matisse Delict and they can buy Harry Kane. But on the flip side of that, they can bring through Alfonso Davies from Vancouver Whitecaps and make him one of the best left-backs in Europe. They can go out to Australia and bring in Nestoroy Iran Kunda from Adelaide. So, Don't forget Matisse Tell, by the way. And Matisse Tell, of course. Of course, Matisse Tell. So they've got that balance right between the big money, the established stars, and what Dortmund seem to do, with the exception of a few players picking off the... I don't know, the... The undesirables, almost, when you think about their signing of Marcel Sabitzer. I'd also take uh, 30 million spunk for uh, Mecha. Mm, yeah, that's not great. He was supposed to be that, that Bellingham replacement. And I'm sorry, you know, no, no disrespect to Mecha. I think he's a talented player in his own right. But he is just that classic you know, level of player that Dortmund love to sign from the rest of the Bundesliga, which is the player that stands out in a mid-table Bundesliga club. Which means, you know, better than average Bundesliga player, obviously, but not the player that is going to all of a sudden be the difference maker in a Champions League match. It's just the way it is. Okay, well, should we leave Dortmund there for now? And let's move on to another team that's not enjoying the best of seasons. Union Berlin, Champions League contenders this season. But Urs Fischer has left by mutual consent. It's not a sacking. It's important to, uh, to establish that. I think it's probably one of the hardest decisions Union have had to make in recent seasons, especially since they've been promoted back 
to the Bundesliga, fourth last year, rock bottom 18th now. What's gone wrong, man? Well, I'd say, leaving by mutual consent, I already said it in the intro, it's always like, you know, in a relationship, obviously one side is still going to be pushing more for that. And I think it was when Jorn Berlin, who at some point said, you know what, as much as he's done for us, I think he's reached his ceiling and now we're seeing it, um, which I'd agree with. It it says it all. Fourth last season, rock bottom this season. I think the most, and I think, sorry, Union fans for rubbing this in, but the most scary stat I've seen for Union Berlin is that after 11 matches, they have the exact same record, as in the exact same position in the league table, exact same amount of points, goals scored, goals conceded, as Schalke did after 11 matches, and we all know what happened to Schalke. Funnily enough, Alex Schwolo and Alex Krall, both with Schalke last season, now both with Union Berlin this season, and they're in the exact same position. That's got to be depressing if you're a player. It does have to, to be a bit depressing, but on the flip side from Schalke, we came into this season and when the window closed, saying that Union had had a very competent window. You know, they yeah. brought in uh, Robin Gosens from Inter Milan. They'd brought in Kevin Volland. They'd made all these good signings that looked like they were going to strengthen the team. And it just hasn't worked. And it, is it an Urs Fischer problem? Is it a, a player problem? Because Urs Fischer got them promoted to the Bundesliga. For the first they time were, in history. For the first time ever. They were 11th in their first season. 7th in their second. 5th the season before last. And 4th last season. That's nothing short of a miracle that they've, sl- they've improved every single year until this season. But wouldn't you say that it's almost like a Liverpool-esque situation. And the fact that Liverpool, you know, they were more or less since 2016 also burning the candle at both ends, trying to get back to their former glory. And they did so 2019 with the Champions League win, 2020 with the Premier League win. Um, And, you know, always giving City more than a run for their money every season. And, you know, missing out on Premier League title ball getting 97 points you've said it so often on this on this on the show um isn't it still the same deal now it's finally catching up to them the meteoric rise is leaving its imprint on the players because they have kept that team together more or less yeah i think it's 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 difficult I've put in our in our notes that we've got. He no longer has that workman style of player. You know yeah. the the no thrills, very little flair. The players that no one really pays much attention to, but will run and run. And we've seen that they've overrun players. They've completely shattered people's expectations of them. And like you said, now it's all just falling down. I think it is interesting, though. It gives an idea of how much they overperformed last season. That last season they had the 12th best expected goals in the Bundesliga and finished fourth. Uh, This year they also have the 12th best expected goal difference and 
they're bottom of the league. And that's not just because they've sold some players, but players aren't finishing the chances. They're not scoring those goals that have very little chance of going in this season. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's almost like luck. Um, but I'd say it's also down to, you know, when you're tired, your brain doesn't function as well as, you know, at the beginning of the 90 minutes. And then in the 90th minute, after you've run 12 kilometers, um, you might not be finishing that that shot the same way as you would right in the first minute. And I think it's just that as well, you know, is similar who's come up with when you has been there for the whole time. You've have so many players, you know, Rani Kadira, so many players who have gone through the whole process, at least since they've been in the Bundesliga and have gone through that process, that at some point it's going to catch up to them. I think that's just the best way to explain it because, you know, yeah, they've made those signings where we said at the beginning of the season, wow, they've definitely done their homework. Uh, Bonucci would be a great addition. Robin Gozen's more than just a great addition. That is probably one of the guys to watch. And now it's just, I mean, it's eh to say at, at best, probably. So it isn't all uh, bad, depending on which way you look at it, but with the dismissal of Urs Fischer and the coaching staff, the Bundesliga does have its first ever female assistant coach, uh, Marie-Louise Eter, uh, who will be the assistant under interim coach Marco Grota. There we go. I'm learning. Uh, <laughs> until a new permanent coach is found. Has there been any utterings, any murmurings in, in Germany as to who that new manager could be? I mean, not really. Um, relatively unknown quantity, I'd say. Uh, I think the the greater or the the more noise was generated around, you know, having the first female assistant coach, um, which I thought was really cool by um, Union's president because he said we wouldn't have hired her just because she would be the first female assistant coach. We hired her because we think she's competent in terms of managing and coaching a football team. It would be a disrespect to her and to women everywhere if we had hired her just because she was a female assistant coach and, you know, we could make some headlines in the Bundesliga with it. That's definitely not the reason why. For us, she's just a very competent assistant manager. The gender didn't matter, which is, I think, what, what it should be. And, and I think if you have more thinking like that, and it's not, you know, obviously not the, the sexist, uh, thinking that just because uh, it's a woman, you know, it, she can't possibly have the same the same ball knowledge as, as a man in her position because we know that's complete BS. But also hiring a woman just because she's a woman, which is you know almost like the flip side or the exact you know opposite to that argument. You know, just hiring her because she's a woman to kind of fill the quota is also not the right way to go about it. So I just think that. You know, the way when you handled that as well and what they've said to the press is just also should be commended in the sense that they're they're really helping women's football grow by not trying to put it up uh, on a pedestal, but um, just say, you know, this is a decision we've made based purely on, you know, the footballing aspect of it and nothing else. Well, 
she'll be in the dugout alongside Marco Grota against Augsburg on Saturday. And uh, she had previously been involved in the under-19s as well. So it's a, in, like an internal promotion as well. So she clearly Better, very yeah. well respected at Union. And it'd be interesting to see what she can bring to the first team alongside Marco Grossa. But from one team enjoying their worst season in the Bundesliga to another team enjoying one of their best under one of the most exciting managers in Europe, it seems like we talk about them almost every other week, but when they keep doing what they're doing, it's a bit difficult to ignore Bayer Leverkusen, particularly now that they're tied for the longest unbeaten run in Bundesliga history. And uh, they could could break that on Saturday away at Werder Bremen. Well, yeah, I mean, I said it before in the intro, but I didn't name the person, although you probably guessed it. Xabi Alonso is holding that record both as a player, part of Pep Guardiola's 2015-16 Bayern squad, um, and now as a manager. They're on 11 matches, unbeaten, 34 goals scored, 10 conceded, 31 points. Um, you know, like you said, we keep gushing about Leverkusen, but it's just, it's been so long since a team has finally consistently performed in the Bundesliga again. And given Bayern a run for their money. And they're doing more than that because, you know, they're first. So I think Leverkusen, it's also one of those things like Union have always been doing the thing that Hatta dreamed they could do. And I feel like Leverkusen are now doing the thing that Dortmund are dreaming, that they that that they've wanted to do for the, like the past 12 years. You know, looking at the guys that they have in their squad, obviously, you know, we've said it time and time again, the Hofmann and Shaka signings were elemental for that run of form but also you know Victor Boniface um with three rookie of the month awards in three months 20.5 million from Union Saint-Gerois just to throw that out there Bayern also could have gone for him he was even offered to them and this was obviously before Harry Kane was signed it's hard to make an argument when Harry Kane has 17 goals in the Bundesliga, but you know if you look at the fact that he had a 100 mil price tag and Boniface was a fifth of that, 11 goals in 16 games obviously doesn't look as bad as it then sounds if you compare it to Harry Kane. No, definitely not. He is... Well, he's, he's doing fantastic work, as is alongside him Nathan Teller, signed from... Southampton, he had that fantastic season for Burnley that season last that they were promoted to the Premier League. He was their top scorer. Uh, both of which now in the Super Eagles Nigeria squad as well. But it's not just in attack. It's a player that they got for free. Yeah. I want to talk about. Uh, because Alejandro Grimaldo from Benfica on a free transfer. Barca decided against it as did Borussia Dortmund, who we've seen struggle in that position. You know, Rami, Rami Benzabaini not really doing much at the moment. Especially in comparison to what he did at Gladbach last season. Exactly that. But given Xabi Alonso's constant links to Real Madrid, uh, incidentally on that, there is talk of Carlo Ancelotti getting a two-year contract extension, which is probably music to the ears of everyone connected with Leverkusen to keep Xabi Alonso around for a bit longer. He's already stated Real Madrid would be one 
of the dream club for any players. Is there right. a situation in a couple years' time where Xabi Alonso goes to Real Madrid and takes the likes of Alejandro Grimaldo, possibly Florian Verts, even Victor Boniface or Jeremy Frimpong with him? I think if Real Madrid did that in one season, that'd be uh, I'd bow to Florentino Perez. Whatever he says as a manager, which I think is downright, you know, for lack of a better word, batshit. Like his remarks on the Super League, by the way. Um, if he manages to pull off swiping, arguably the biggest German talent that we have to offer, along with alongside Jamal Musiala, the biggest up and coming manager in Xabi Alonso, and one of the most exciting fullbacks in Europe at the minute, in one go. Almost as good as doing, you know, Kaka and Ronaldo in one one window. That'd be ridiculous. I think one of the things that speaks against Xabi Alonso going to Madrid in the next one or two years is just that, the Ancelotti extension. Because obviously Alonso has his contract laid out so that he could leave for Madrid, Liverpool, or Bayern, any one of his um, three ex-clubs. And, you know, Liverpool won't get rid of Jurgen Klopp. Jamie Carragher, I think, said it best on CBS Sports and said, if Klopp was fired tomorrow, you'd have Liverpool supporters ousting the, the current owners within a week. They'd tear down Anfield. And I think I'd, I fully agree with him. I think that fan base would, that fan base would completely riot. Um, if Ancelotti extends his contract, Tuchel is probably the one manager of those three clubs who's most in the hot seat, which is kind of funny because, you know, and Tuchel has said, said this himself, Bayern have the best defense in the Bundesliga with nine goals conceded in 11 games. And um, they also already qualified for the round of 16 in the Champions League. The only blot basically on Tuchel's resume at the minute is that you know, absolutely embarrassing loss to Zabrücken in the DFB Pokal. So, arguably, Bayern might be getting Xabi Alonso in the next one to two seasons, but I think it's a long stretch as well still. Um, for me, I think, on the Grimaldo situation, the fact that Barcelona didn't deem him good enough, even though he was on a free, which I think any club in Barca's financial situation would be dying to get. A little bit of, of, of an oversight there. So, obviously, the winter break comes after 17 matches in the Bundesliga. Fair to say that they've got the best chance of being winter champions? Probably, because if you think about the fact that they've already played Bayern, who are their closest, um, I'd say, hunters, if you will. Uh, you know, the fact that they've played Bayern, I can't see them slipping up, in all honesty. They've got Bremen. Maybe, maybe you have a slip-up against Dortmund. But even against Dortmund, with the way they're playing at the minute, I'd say that has a Leverkusen win written all over it. 
Um, I think Stuttgart are enjoying a, a spell of success, but I think Leverkusen might be one step too much, and the rest of the teams, you know, they're not playing Leipzig until January. So I'd say, yeah. Well, there we go. That's probably a good place to leave it for the Bundesliga until next week. But as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to 50 Plus One Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out the 50 Plus One Football Show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And of course, Amazon Podcasts as well. But also keep your eyes and ears peeled for the Premier League episode because that will be releasing quite soon, I'd imagine. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.